All right, we are back. Episode of Real Talk, Michigan edition. Jeff here, and returning guest Dan. Dan, how are you, man? What's going on, man? Uh, college football, man. I love it. Having it back this weekend felt so good, and it felt so real. Um, you know, I said this on the uh, the Michigan preview pod. I was I had a chance <coughs> to go to the game this weekend, and the environment there was. I will say this as a, as a Michigan fan, the environment was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, it felt great to be back in the stands. It felt great to be back in front of your typical Michigan Wolverine fans. And it felt great to be back in the big house, but I will say, I don't think we did it up as good as some other places, man. I seen videos of V tech against North Carolina. And that place was, gosh, that is next level shit, man. Uh, Wisconsin with the jump around atmosphere. That was super cool. Um, there's a video floating around social media. I shared it the other day and I was part of it, but the um, singing Mr. Brightside at the big house was definitely cool, but it's just, um, I think Michigan could probably revamp some of their traditions, man, and, and get uh, the big house rocking. And hopefully the wear maze, the wear maze thing happens this weekend. And right, right, right. Who, who knows? But let's, let's talk about last week's game. I think, uh, Ultimately, as you said, college football is back, and there's a lot of things that we that we learned. And um, Michigan looked good, dude. They pick up a 47 to 14 victory. Uh, seven of those for Western Michigan came very late in the game. Not to take anything away from them, but 47 uh, 14, Michigan cruises to a, uh, a week one victory. Uh, uh, get just off the stats here. If you Cade McNamara, the starting quarterback, went nine for eleven for one thirty-six and two touchdowns. Blake Corum fourteen for one eleven and a touchdown, and then Hassan Haskins thirteen for seventy and a touchdown. But the big news coming out of the team uh, is obviously see not senior junior captain Ronnie Bell, right? Junior, yeah, junior mm-hmm. captain. I think he's. I think he's. A, I think he's technically a senior. The way that the way the redshirt stuff works, I think he's technically and the COVID eligibility and everything yeah. that's going on. I think I think yeah. you're right. Senior captain, wide receiver Ronnie Bell takes a 76 yard catch touchdown to the house, and then a few plays later on a punt return tears his ACL for the year, which is terrible news. I said a lot there. What'd you think of Week One? What'd you think of what I just said about Ronnie? Well, overall, about the game, it was bittersweet because, yeah. obviously, a lot of positives from this game. Uh, and yeah. one probably lone negative was the ACL. Um, and a lot of people on the interwebs were uh, blasting Harbaugh. You know, why is he playing Ronnie Bell at punt return? You know, you give blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, Jabril Peppers played punt returner. DPJ played punt returner. He's literally one of your best skilled players on the team. I mean – you gotta play them. You can't uh, hold them back and and uh, and have the injury bug in your mind. You gotta just put your chess pieces out there, or whatever. And it's unfortunate. And um, that might have been the last time we've seen Ronnie Bell in the Michigan jersey. We don't know what. I mean, he probably needed this season to really boost his draft stock, but he could come back next year. He's that type of guy where I think you and I can agree on with like Chase Winovich, where. He'd come back for that last time if he had the opportunity. So we'll see. But overall, a lot of positives. Yeah, let me go in on Ronnie Bell quick on, on what you just said. You know, a lot of people online are, are bashing Harbaugh. Harbaugh is in a, a lose-lose situation here because, truthfully, everybody wants him gone, it seems like. And 
Harbaugh, I truly believe, wants the best out of his team. And I feel, at least, again, I'm, I'm prisoner of the moment here, but after one week, I have seen enough to be optimistic about what this team could be this year. And when you have a player similar to Ronnie Bell, you put the best player out there. You put the best player in position to to take it to the house, period, you know? And if he's not playing a great punt returner or a player like Ronnie Bell, people are complaining. You're you're just in a situation where you lose if you if he gets hurt and you lose if you put the wrong guy out there. It, it's a lose-lose <clears throat> situation for Harbaugh. And another thing, the famous quote by Bill Belichick. Actually, he's got two famous quotes on this, but I'll go with the first one, okay? Tell me when the player's going to get hurt and I won't play him. That's his right. first famous quote. His second one is, I'm not a fucking doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, regardless, it's it's one of those things where you cannot predict injuries. We don't re- predict injuries on the Real Talk pod. It's just it's not something you want to even get into. It doesn't make sense. Um, putting Ronnie Bell out there was the right choice. It just, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. I mean, it happens. Yep. <clears throat> Let's talk about the game plan, though. Cade Cunningham, 9 of 11, was super um, efficient. I think the word efficient was probably the best uh, there. So 9 of 11 for 136 and two touchdowns. He had the deep one to Ronnie Bell. Otherwise, it was kind of a, a lower <coughs> passing day. Um, you could say a lot about the run game, though. What do you think about Cade? Before we get to the run game, what do you think about Cade, the passing attack, um, the low usage? Obviously, it's against Western Michigan, so you're not expecting him to throw it 30 times. So what do you think about Cade? I, I liked him. I mean, look, yeah. boys, look, looked in control. His he was on time with his deliveries. Didn't really have an errant pass that I can recall. He was nine for eleven, so there's only two incompletions. Um, yeah. And you know, usually with Michigan, no matter who's coach, it seems like when you got week one an opponent like this, you're not going to get asked to do a whole lot because they're going to run the hell out of the ball. They had over 500 yards rushing. Sorry, I know you wanted to get to the rushing in a second, but. Um, yeah, you can transition. That's fine. <laughs> but not, but that has to do a lot. Did what he had to do and had a couple strikes. And I mean, that's what counts. Yeah, I think obviously this is going to be a game manager role. I don't think Harbaugh wants Cade, Cade McNamara to come in there and start throwing 30 to 40 times. I don't think that's his idea of a successful offense. Say what you want about Harbaugh and he's set in his old ways, but he's always been a run the ball kind of guy. Um, no matter where he's been. And I think he wants Michigan to be that. And I think a lot of great college teams do run the ball at effective rate. So it's definitely going to be the, the, the game plan moving forward. And obviously we'll get right into the running game. I was super impressed. Everybody that touched the ball, everyone that touched the ball. And you know, the craziest part is the least effective person to touch the ball was Donovan Edwards, the five-star running back. (laughs) So, I mean, for, for what it's worth, um, if he was, if he turns out to be our worst ball carrier this year, I think we'll be all right. Let's, let's talk about the star of the show, Blake Corum, somebody that I know you've been high on. Uh, what'd you think about Blake Corum? Loved him. Um, and you know, we talked about it uh, in the preview where Mike Hart says it's going to take more than one guy. And obviously with the second half backups coming in, he got, you know, like eight guys touching the rock here, but Blake Corum, I thought they, they use, utilize them a lot more than they did, you know, in this game than they did all of last year, it seems like, but um, yeah. got a receiving touchdown, got a rushing touchdown, averaging 7.9 yards per uh, carry, had the uh, long 30 yard run 
to score, but really impressed with him. Got a lot of top end speed. And um, I'm not going to, you know, jump on his bandwagon like I did Tate Forsey after the Notre Dame game, whatever. But a lot of people are like, oh, it looks like the old 20 out there, whatever. But, uh, you know, referring to Mike Hart. But, he, you know, for what he did last Saturday, I was impressed. And um, he had one more carry than Hassan Haskins. So it looks like, you know, they kind of have like a one two punch here. And if that translates to the tougher games, I'm all for it. Yeah, I for for what Blake Corum was able to bring to the game is not something that I was expecting personally. Right. Um, right. I, I thought he was a third down back and that was pretty much it. I thought he was gonna be a scat back and, and draw plays. He was he was getting between the tackles runs, off tackle runs, um, stuff dumped out of the backfield. I mean, literally Blake did it all this week, and I was by far Really impressed with him. Just overall, very impressed. Uh, the whole performance. Uh, we'll get to Hassan Haskins, who had a solid day. He was asked to carry the rock, I believe, 11 times for 70-ish yards. Um, obviously, he didn't break off a big one like Blake did, but uh, a really great day from Hassan Haskins. What do you think about him? Solid. Um, <clears throat> another reliable uh, afternoon by him. No complaints there. Not The offense in total here. Uh, I'm happy with. Yeah. Um, you know, this this team was able to run it very effectively, but obviously um, the yards are going to be beefed up by the very long touchdown run by A.J. Henning. Explosive play, something that Michigan's going to look to see. Um, I think A.J. is going to have a, a good opportunity to fill in for Ronnie Bell, ultimately. I, I was just really impressed with the run game as a total. Donovan Edwards obviously coming in late in the in the third and into the fourth <laughs> quarter was a huge opportunity for him too. Do you think Donovan ends up working his way from what you've seen? Do you think he works his way into more carries? I know Harbaugh says he wants to play him, but the way Blake and Hassan are playing, what what do you think Donovan's role is going to be this year? Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of like or I, moving I, forward at least. I I, I might have mentioned this. I think I mentioned this in the preview. I kind of think that. They're going to work Donovan Edwards in kind of like when uh, Brandon Miner came in as a freshman underneath Mike Hart and then, then uh, Kevin Grady um, kind of give the two, the one and two a breather. And, you know, if Donovan Edwards surpasses these guys on the depth chart because he's he's performing better. I mean, I'm as long as the job's getting done, I don't really care who's playing. But um, I think um <clears throat> You want to not let him rust on the bench, but you want to get him experienced throughout the game. So uh, you're probably going to continue to see the same kind of format here. Uh, and if games like this happens again, which uh, there's a couple of games on their schedule that you'll see probably that happening. But uh, yeah, I'm not, not mad at all with the, the six carries even got, a, I think um, he got targeted a couple times and he, I mean, he got one reception for three yards, but at least, I mean, he was targeted. So. Yeah. Well, we talked about Donovan Edwards before we start talking about the, the game in, in general. J.J. McCarthy, he comes in, he comes in late, um, makes a couple of south throws. What was he? Six of eight, I think, for the game. Right? Does that sound right? He was he was four of six, four of six. Yep. Obvi- the, the, the one everyone's going to talk about is the one where he rolls out on third and right. 24. I think it was he rolls out to his right. He, he throws off a defender, throws the 
the ball crossed his body. If you guys haven't seen the play, obviously go look it up. And it goes for a, a deep touchdown. I think it was a, a huge play that, that Michigan fans seen and their eyes light up big. Like, wait a minute. What do we have here? Obviously, it's not the best play that you want to see from, from your freshman quarterback. But the fact that it goes for a touchdown makes it all worth it. Uh, what do you think of J.J.? Do you think there's any chance that this is a QB battle, or do you think it was just garbage time playing minutes? Garbage time playing minutes with a little bit of, you know, maybe what we see in the future. Um, I like that play because I think a couple plays before that is when he had the 16-yard loss fumble where he was scrambling back and he got sacked and he instinctively tried to get rid of it and it went uh, horizontal and then I believe one of the tight ends or somebody picked it up and recover the fumble. And so then you're like that. You kind of had like a, whoa boy type deal, but he settles down and then he, th- he throws a uh, risky ball, but again, 69 yards of the house. So, um, I mean, can't, I didn't expect the world from him, you know, in his first start or not in his first start, but in his first game. But I mean, four of six, 80 yards, you know, long one, one long touchdown pass. It's going to give him that, uh, Give them to get that confidence. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Overall, as we as we wrap up Western Michigan, I think we can agree. Neither of us are shocked we beat Western Michigan by this much. This is what we should do. Um, overall, it was a very good game. It's what we can look forward to moving forward through the season, having good outings. Um, anything you want to take away from Western outside of the offensive performance defensive played all right. I mean, I, I know they gave up the late touchdown. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the defense too. The, the first quarter was kind of intense. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the nerves were still settling in and, um, Absolutely. you know, Western, um, Western struck right back. And, uh, so you're like, all right, well, I mean, they're moving the ball pretty effectively. Uh, Caleb Ellaby was, I think they said, behind Mac Jones last year in passing efficiency. Granted, SEC to the Mac conference, whatever, but I mean, he still, uh, he had a couple balloons that he threw in the first quarter, but after that first drive, he settled in and, you know, he, he put a couple of good drives together. Um, and then uh, I thought the defensive line was phenomenal. Um, you know, I've been really uh, harping on, you know, Chris Hinton and Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson was collecting heads out there. Um, One, yeah, definitely a really great game for him. There was a couple. Sure. There was a, there was like two or three plays where Aiden Hutchinson either juked the tackle out or he just completely swim moved him. And like uh, I think on one of them, I think it looked like he uh, he gave uh, the quarterback uh, the people's elbow. I mean, it was it was awesome. So yeah, uh, we'll get to Washington in here in a second, and I'm gonna bring up Aiden Hutchinson again. But if that D line plays like they did, man. Uh, good things are going to happen because they they made a violent pocket uh, for Ellaby. Um, and and real quick, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. One more thing You're too, good. what I uh, on the defense, you know, last year and in the preview, uh, both of us have been pretty critical on the secondary. I thought Vincent Gray um, has a nice game here to build off of. Last year, it was burnt toast all season, even against Rutgers. Here, he made a, a like at least two or three crucial defensive plays and so hopefully uh we see more of that 
couple things I want to build off and talk about what you just what you just brought up. So first off, you talked about how Western was able to keep it close in the first quarter. You know, honestly, week one right. of the college football season in the first quarter, I expect everybody to be able to score. I don't care who your team is. I mean, truthfully, Western Michigan has been game planning against Michigan now for months. It was scripted. It was scripted plays. I don't lose my. I don't lose sanity on stuff like that. I thought Michigan settled in and really held them down, and then didn't allow anything for two and a half quarters. I thought that was really impressive for Michigan. Um, two. We wanted Don Brown out. Don Brown is out. Don Brown only played man to man. Do not hate on this team. And I'm not speaking of you specifically. I'm not talking about my, I'm just talking about in general. We as a fan base cannot get upset with these players as they're starting to learn and adapt to a zone concept and man concept. They've been playing man in this system now for four years. They're going to play more zone and they're not going to be perfect at it. Give them a chance to succeed. It'll work out. Third thing, you just touched on it, Vincent Gray. I heard Aiden Hutchinson in an interview on Defending the Block with John Jansen. He said that his most impressive player from the weekend was Vincent Gray. He said Vincent Gray was literally calling out plays in the secondary about what they were running. Obviously, he's been a film junkie. I think Vincent Gray takes a huge step this year. I know we dogged him last year. We gave him the business. But we've also said that we we're both excited to see what he could bring to the table this year. And he showed a great outing in week one. Um, let's go ahead and get to the things we like, things we didn't like, and then things we want to see more of. Things we liked, offensive, defensive, both. What do you got there? Offensively, love the, um, the running back situation that we got that we had over the weekend and defensively I liked um, the pocket disruption from our D our D line. Uh, like I alluded to with uh, Aiden Hutchinson um, did not make LB comfortable the whole time. So uh, running game defensive line for me. Yeah. For me, the thing that I liked the most coming out of this weekend was uh, well, at least on the offensive side of the ball was Blake Corum. I thought, he took on a much bigger role than I thought he was able to take on, and he succeeded in it. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side of the ball, we just talked about it. Vincent Gray, I thought, took a massive step up. Again, this is Western. I'm not trying to act like he won the Super Bowl, but I just think that Vincent Gray, coming off of what last season was, played a huge game and showed that he's not going to let people just attack him, and I think that's what we need. Things we didn't like. Obviously, the Ronnie Bell injury. Ronnie Bell losing for the season, that sucks. But what else didn't you like? I, I, I hate to not pick anything, but, I, you know, obviously we both touched on it. You know, the the nerves, the first game of the season. Um, I didn't like that first drive, but, again, yeah. temporary yeah. expectation. So, again, they settled in and they made up for it. I'm completely fine with that. So, I mean, that's honestly really um, yeah. the only thing I didn't like. And, and maybe the J.J. McCarthy play, but, again, freshman going in there, he's trying to – to take the sack on a huge loss. So, I mean, between those two is probably the only thing I didn't really like. And, 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 you know, what I want to see more of, um, I, I want to see more of, uh, wide receivers. I know like, you know, Michigan in those non-conference openers, they like, if they can control the game on the ground, they're going to steer away from, uh, making bad plays in the air. I kind of want to see this weekend, um, more of the wide receivers taking a, who's going to emerge themselves as uh, the, you know, after Ronnie Bell is going to be gone. 
Yeah, for for me, the thing that I didn't like, and I'm kind of contradicting myself because the thing that I did like was how Blake Corum was so effective. I didn't like Hassan Haskins taking less carries. I think he needs to be the bell cow and needs to be more in that 15 to 18 carry range or even higher. Um, I think Hassan Haskins is the guy that we need to follow, and Blake Corum needs to be a change of pace, and I felt like they fell in love with him because of the success he had. Hassan can have that success too and is definitely the guy that I think should be Still featured. I think 11 is just too low for him. He needed a more than 11 carries. Uh, I'm being really picky, picky there, obviously, because I thought Michigan played had a great game plan. The thing that I want to see more of, you just kind of touched on it. Um, wide receivers involved in the run game. Roman Wilson, one carry for 43 yards. A.J. Henning, one carry for 74 yards. You can win games. If you are getting free rush yards from players that shouldn't be touching or shouldn't be carrying the ball normally. So if you can put up 200 yards or 100 plus yards on the ground with wide receivers, you're going to be pretty good. Right, right. right. Um, one thing that that I've said for a long time, and this isn't secret, this isn't my formula, this is anybody's formula, really. The really good teams, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. They all do one thing really well, and we really don't talk about it. Explosive plays. No team can win a game driving down the field 10 to 14 plays five different times. It's just not, it's not logical. You have to have big chunk plays, and I thought Michigan had a ton of those against Western, and I hope to see that trend continue. If we can have chunk plays, we will be an effective team that can compete with people. You can't expect 30 points to be dropped in a game and all of them are on methodical drives. It's just not realistic. You have to be able to get chunk plays and and get your defense hyped and your offense hyped and, and the momentum swings and things of that such nature. Four-yard carries aren't going to be the only way to do it. Ready to move on to Washington? Absolutely. Wow. So Washington loses to Montana week one after being ranked number 20. Not exactly what Michigan fans want to see. We wanted to see an undefeated ranked team coming into the big house. Washington is no longer ranked. They fell out of the top 25. This is still a big game. And if Michigan fans are sleeping on this game, wake up. Because Washington did not want to lose week one. And I assure you they don't want to drop to 0-2. But with that being said... They picked a bad game to to come in 0-1 because Michigan, at night, with a maze out, public service announcement, if you're going to the game, wear maze, don't be an idiot. <laughs> um, what what are your expectations going into this game? We both picked this as a W. We both had Michigan starting 2-0. Where are you at going into this game? Well, I think because it's at, in Ann Arbor, because yeah. it's going to be at night, that home field advantage, I'm – I'm confident into saying that Michigan will win by seven to 10 points um, because, you know, the Homer in me is, is saying double digit win because of how they performed against Montana, but I'm tempering my expectations. I'm trying to be realistic here, uh, be true to myself, but um, I, I think this is going to be a seven to 10 point game uh, in Michigan's favor. And uh, as we break this down, I'll get to why, um, but, yeah, they're definitely not going to want to be 0-2. And, uh, you know, it. Michigan cannot sleep on these guys. Uh, and the one thing that, you know, bothered me about last year was when at, when Michigan 
uh, dominated Minnesota. You know, they for somehow, you know, Jim Harbaugh let this that 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 locker room get way too big of a head, and then they had a stinker the following week. So uh, be ready to bring the A game. Yeah, so a lot, lots running through my head on this game. So part of me wants to forget the 2020 season like it never happened, but part of me is like, this is exactly what happened last year. We thumped Minnesota week one. We looked like we were poised to be very good. And then come week two against a team that we did not think was going to be good at all showed us how bad we were. I hope that doesn't happen again. I think this is a completely different atmosphere. Being in Ann Arbor at night, I can't even fathom a team coming out flat. Uh, with that being said, I don't think this is a runaway game. And if it is, I don't think it happens until late. I think Washington has too much to lose in this game, and they have to come out swinging. But uh, if Michigan has the game plan that they had against Western, where they're going to they're gonna run the ball, they're going to be super efficient, It's been a couple of years. By the way, Cade McNamara has started two games, and he has zero interceptions in those two games. I'm not saying Cade's going the whole season not throwing a pick. I'm not going to be that guy. But if Cade doesn't throw interceptions during the season, he's able to just hang on to the football. Michigan's going to be pretty tough to beat, just in general, because I think they'll be efficient enough to just be balanced and, and control the clock. I think Michigan probably wins this one. 27 21 ish um i i like them to hold on i think i think kate will be the guy to just kind of keep this this game within not within reach but kind of in his control is i think is the better word to use and hopefully the 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 backs are just what we've seen last week and obviously washington's defensive front's going to be better than western michigan's there's no doubt about that but yeah i just think that uh i think we're better right now and until proven otherwise, I'm not getting too much. But against Washington, I think it's a, it's a tangible win. Um, as far as uh, as far as the the remainder of the season, we'll get to that as as things come. But what would what would have to happen for Michigan to lose this game? Do you think? Uh, <clears throat> turning the ball over. And um, not establishing the run game. Um, I think they establish the run game and keep the ball in their hands only. I think my prediction can can come to fruition. Uh, I watched the highlights of this Montana-Washington game. And what Washington failed to do against this FCS opponent was really created a lot of pressure in the pocket on Montana. Um, and Montana had the reverse effect with Washington. Washington's uh, D-line didn't really look that impressive, um, and Washington's offensive line didn't really look impressive. So um, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's going to be in the trenches, but that's for Michigan, uh, for what they have to do to lose that game is is those two points I brought up. Yeah, I've heard somewhere over this this week, and I've heard a couple of different times in the offseason that this team for once is preparing every week like they're playing Ohio State. 
that's like it's a it's a new thing they're they're trying to do and if they're serious about it and they're treating every opponent like they're Ohio State, okay, I can get behind that. I don't think that's I don't think that's bad by any means. If that's your preparation and that's what you're gonna do, that's that's awesome. But I need to see that. I need to see a night game at Michigan Stadium. It I need to see the place rocking and I need you to put the pedal down and show like that, that you're you're playing for something. Because Michigan, after what they did to Western. That wasn't enough. It, it, it didn't get them ranked. I don't even know if this win will get them ranked. We'll have to see. Uh, if they beat them down nice, I mean, as you said, seven to ten points, maybe, you know, maybe more. But uh, Michigan's got some work to do to be where they want to be this year, and I think Western's a great – or not Western. I think Washington's a great start to get there. I think yep. that's a very tangible win as we move forward into uh, – and other games before a big 10 play. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk quickly about Ohio state before we get into some other stuff, but Ohio state obviously played last Thursday night. They were kind of like the first, uh, the first game of the weekend. So they take care of Minnesota, but it took a minute. Minnesota really hung in there. I think we've seen the 2019 Minnesota show up in the game and really threw some punches. But at the end of the day, speed and talent just kind of took over and Ohio state was able to get the W what did you think about Ohio State? I did think they looked a little sloppy at first, but that's expected out of, out of a quarterback that's really never played. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just like we were talking about with J.J. Uh, McCarthy and <clears throat> and stuff like that. But, you know, the Ohio State game, I, you know, they were 14-point favorite going in. I was a little hesitant putting money on them, you know. But, uh, you know, I thought and I predicted that in the beginning, Minnesota was going to play them tough and they pulled away. And, Ohio State did. I thought Ohio State would have pulled away a little sooner than they did, but uh, I think weather played a little factor. It was kind of on and off uh, raining there. Um, you know, CJ Stroud settled in. He had a couple good throws, and, you know, Chris Olave is going to Chris Olave. I mean, he was wide open receiving the, the ball in the air. I mean, the air yardage is probably like 25 per clip, but um, Minnesota loses Ibrahim. They're, they're running back for the year. I think he had a torn ACL as well, so it's not just Ronnie Bell, Michigan, Michigan fans. Okay. Other it's happened, happens everywhere else. It's like, what are you going to, you know, I'm sure yeah. Minnesota fans are going to be like, why are you having been on that running play? You know? So, um, you know, how state got a lot, still a lot of, uh, uh, places to improve, but, um, you know, they look like they were signing up, kind of doing the Michigan thing where they're playing with all the running backs that they got in their, in their stable. Uh, they had a couple big runs, you know, Minnesota just couldn't capitalize on, on, uh, on the key moments and, uh, Ohio state gets a W. Yeah. I don't have too much to add to that. I did think that, and I, I posted this on Facebook and I mean this Ohio state fans are the first to bail on their team when adversity happens. And I don't know why, because they're so good. And they traditionally, nine times out of ten, will turn it around and win the game. But my goodness, I mean, literally, it's the first quarter. CJ overthrows the receiver, and it's they're calling for what is it? Quinn is that his name? Quinn, Quinn Ewers. Ewers. Or, yeah. Like my goodness, guys, settle down. <laughs> oh, Give yeah. this guy a break. Ohio they State. Did, fans, they did it to Blackston Miller too. I mean, Ohio State fans have been winning for so long props to them but with the minute they have adversity 
and some mediocrity going on. It's yeah. just it's just burn jerseys, and you know, not all of them are like that. Some of them are they they can uh, hone in, you know. But yeah, they they were freaking out because the first half, you know, C.J. Stroud's stats didn't look that great, and uh, I think he might have had an interception too. But it's like just settle down. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure Michigan would have would love any of the quarterbacks on your roster as well. So just chill. Yeah. Well, they, they end up taking care of Minnesota, but let's get to this game. What do you think? Ohio State, Oregon. The game is uh, – I see a couple of different facts today. Ohio State's 9-0 and all-time against Oregon. Um, Oregon is 1-25 in their last – in their last 26 AP road – games against non-Pac-12 teams, I think. Some create, Basically, they're not able to beat ranked teams on the road. Um, the game is weirdly at noon. So if, if you're a fan of Oregon, you understand how the West Coast works. That game would be roughly 9 a.m. their time. It is a very weird start time. Who do you think wins this game, Ohio State or Oregon? I think Ohio State wins this one. Um, again, this is I think in our preview we picked them to win this game, but I feel like it's it's still going to be not uh, not uh, a breeze through. You know, um, this Oregon team rushes the ball a lot. You know, if you look at their stats against Fresno State, you know they didn't look pretty against Fresno. I mean, a touchdown away, but um, between three ball carriers, I mean. Uh, Anthony Brown, the quarterback, ran it 16 times. Travis Dye, 13 times. Verdell, 18 times. So that spread offense, man. If they if they're yeah. gonna be if they're gonna be in a battle, they're gonna run that. They're gonna run their RPO. They're gonna run their spread. I mean, uh, this is a back and forth game. Don't be surprised. But I mean, Ohio State's gonna probably take the W just for the home thing. And you're right. Yeah. The noon the noon kickoff to me is idiotic with both these teams being ranked. You know, I don't know how. Oregon is lined up this week. They were 11. I don't know if that, that's their current rank or if they fell back, whatever, because of the the performance. But, you know, this game should at least be a 3.30. But uh, I say Ohio State by 14. I mean, two touchdowns to me is still kind of close. Wow. That's – that's. I don't disagree, but I guess I wouldn't predict two touchdowns. I mean, that's – who knows? Who knows? I think uh, I think Ohio State definitely has their their advantages and their speed advantages that they can obviously pose to to Oregon. But at the same token, I think Oregon's all right. Their best player, top five projected pick in the draft or defensive end, is uh, he did leave the the Fresno game hurt, but a, apparently he's supposed to be able to play this weekend. So I guess we'll see. Um, before we get off random college football talk, we're not really ready to give our, our final fours yet. I think there's a lot of football to be played still. Um, Clemson, obviously Georgia, that game was a little crazy. No offensive touchdowns. There was a pick six in the game. Uh, Notre Dame taking, uh, their talents on the road to Florida state winning with a last second field goal. And then UCLA, I think they were, they were a team that's on my radar now. I mean, so they thumped Hawaii week one, not that that matters, but they, they have LSU come to town, and they put the whooping down on them. Any uh, any teams stand out to you? I know there was some Big Ten action, Michigan State being Northwestern, other things like that. Um, well, yeah, I, I 
I mean, I, I definitely kept my eye on more of the Big Ten this weekend. Um, yeah. Because preseason, I think this is this is looking like a pretty good. Um, I mean, Ohio State is is Ohio State, but I think throughout the rest of the conference, I think it's pretty uh, pretty even in terms of talent wise. I thought Indiana would have put more of a fight with Iowa. They got pretty much blown out. Um, you know, Kinnick State because they played at Iowa, right? You know, yeah, yeah. They actually, Iowa's going to play Iowa State this weekend. Huge game. Yeah. I think they're both teams are ranked in the top ten. Right. So you know, Iowa's got like that weird voodoo uh, home field advantage. They're not necessarily the loudest crowd, but when you I mean, when even when Michigan travels there, it's usually one point game or a over, triple overtime or something. Um, and then another two is uh, Nebraska and uh, what was it, Wisconsin? Or no. Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska Wisconsin, played. I don't remember, but they suck. Yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Penn State. I didn't think Penn State was going to beat Wisconsin on the road at Camp Randall. That stuck out to me. Um, and Nebraska is, damn it. Oh, sorry. They played Fordham. So they blew out Fordham. But yeah, uh, you know, going back to Week One, you know, Nebraska has a lot of question marks. Scott Frost is. His seat is starting to heat up a little bit. So, uh, uh, I mean, this a, couple, a lot of the Big Ten games didn't go the way I thought they were going to be, or at least, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame, um, they got Jack Cohen, their quarterback. I think he's the Wisconsin transfer, if I'm not mistaken, or whatever. I, I hate Notre Dame. I was rooting for Florida State. Um, so that kind of surprised me, too. But, you know, Brian Kelly, he's – He's a master at winning the first 11 games of the season. So, but I mean, other than that, I'm not surprised uh, what happened. Again, it's it's week one, so it's not like uh, we can, you know, pick our four so easily. I thought Miami was going to be a little bit tougher against Alabama, and it seems like, I mean, is, is Michigan and Miami – ever going to be the 90s Michigan and Miami ever again it's like Miami you know I got family down there that are big hurricane fans and it's, man it's <laughs> it's like they can never once they play someone that is noteworthy they just crumble it's just amazing to me I know it's Bama but still like they had no chance yeah yeah and, and truthfully the last game we've seen Alabama play was the national championship against the second best team, Ohio State, and Ohio State had no chance. So uh, there's a lot of people that are like shitting on Miami this week, and I'm I'm kind of pumping the brakes. I'll, I want to see them against a normal team, not Alabama, because I right. just assume at this point Alabama is just going to beat everyone. I, until I see otherwise, Alabama is the best team on this planet <laughs> every year. And there's a lot of people like, oh, Alabama won't be as good. Prove it. <laughs> just right. prove it. Right. <laughs> Where are your facts with this? Bama is just going to roll everybody until proven otherwise. So, man, it feels good to talk football. Feels oh, good to know, talk college and, football. And, and, uh, and one more, one more game too. I'd like to point out to people just to keep an eye on is uh, Iowa versus Iowa State. Yeah, you know, um, we're going to see because obviously Iowa, Iowa took care of uh, Indiana, and now they got to go to their in-state rival Iowa State, and you know. That'll be a true test for Iowa, and we'll see where they're at because um, Kirk Ferentz, 
his Iowa teams. One year he's competing for the West Division title, and the other years he's just kind of middle of the road, like uh, like Lloyd Cars, you know. But uh, so that's that one. I'm definitely going to be uh, flipping to on Saturday when we are on the golf course. <laughs> uh, Joe Clatt gave three teams that he is higher on than most people. UCLA mm-hmm. was one of them. Iowa was one of them. I forget who the third one was. Watch out for Iowa. They actually just might be a silent assassin this year. I think this is also Iowa, Iowa State. I think this is the first time ever that the two teams are going to play, and they're both ranked in the top ten. Massive matchup for them. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if game day is going to be in Columbus because of the game against Oregon or if they're going to be at Michigan because the, the night game against Washington. But in my opinion, game day needs to be um, in Iowa. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I know. Barstool Sports will be in Ann Arbor Saturday. Will they? Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if they. I I think they follow Game Day on ESPN sometimes, but uh, I haven't heard on what's going on this weekend. And with Washington losing, I don't think it's going to be in Ann Arbor though. No, no. I and I didn't think so, but you know, obviously having a, a night game in Ann Arbor that would be probably the only reason. Otherwise, Michigan doesn't typically get too many. Um, Trying to see if game day. Oh, yep, I called it. <laughs> They're going to be in Iowa for the game. Okay. Yep. That well deserved. Well deserved. Yes, that's that's going to be a huge one. Um, look out for college game day there, and look out for us next week when we are talking about a Michigan W, hopefully, and an Ohio State loss. Sorry, I said it. <laughs> All right, we will be back next time. Go blue. Real talk. Go blue, buddy. <laughs>